Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, that is what you make. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, and I'd like to welcome you to another self coaching session where real life emotional struggle, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Now, every week I answer real-life questions submitted to me from my website, selfcoaching.net. And today's question comes from Tom. And Tom writes, I feel like my relationship has been stalling out, especially with the frustrations imposed by this virus. I know we have love for each other, and I don't want to give up but we just don't seem to be getting anywhere, and lately things are getting tense. Can you give me a few tips to prevent a breakup? Well, Tom, let me dust off a book I wrote a few years ago called Reconnecting, and let me then give you some cliff notes as to what I feel are the possibilities inherent in any loving relationship, regardless of the friction imposed. The first thing I would talk about would be responsibility. Now, in any relationship, you need to realize it's a team effort. Understand that when you enter a relationship, you're coming in as a separate person, an I. And when you form a relationship, the I-ness of yourself becomes a we-ness. Now, this this is kind of an interesting concept because essentially the, the egos meld together. And you start thinking as we. What are we going to do? What are we going to watch tonight on TV? Something really gets changed in our perception. And this is the team effort. Every relationship is truly a team effort. And like any team, it has to be balanced in order to be effective. So what's balanced in a, in a good and team relationship? Well, balance is sharing, doing the groceries, doing the chores, communicating, taking responsibility, each partner taking responsibility in an equal way to contribute to the weeness of the relationship. Now, if there's an imbalance, what do you think happens? Well, on on one level, what happens is that the partner that's taking the, the brunt of the load of responsibility is going to feel some friction. It's understandable. It's not fair. So you see, one of the most important ingredients in responsibility is understanding that concept of fairness. Now, if you are distorted by insecurity, then sometimes your perception of what's fair and what's not fair can be equally distorted. What, you're asking me to help with the dishes? Come on, I've got a show to watch. Sometimes our own needs cloud our perceptions, and we want what we want when we want it. It's not being fair, but sometimes we reflexively just do these things. When I do couples counseling, the one thing I'm always after is the balance in the relationship. Most people that wind up in couples counseling, there's an imbalance in some vital way in some very important component of the relationship, there's an imbalance. There always is. There has to be. And what I do as a psychologist, I try to reconstitute 
the balance in a relationship. Now, obviously, it's much easier to go to a counselor and have that counselor be your objective mirror that helps both of you see what's fair and unfair. You see, because you can dig your heels in and not want to see the truth at home, but when you're sitting in the office paying money, good money, for counseling advice, it's hard to avoid the truth. So when a counselor says to you, gee, Sam, you're being really unfair right now. Sally was only asking you to help out once in a while, and you're just refusing. That's just not fair. So you see, objective fairness is what we're after. And you can do this. You don't, yeah, it helps to go to a counselor if you want to be lazy about it. But instead of being lazy, why not be rather courageous about it? Why not take a more objective look? Step aside from your insecurities and all those other hang-ups. And maybe even in retrospect, just you know, go back and revisit uh, an argument that just happened or some other friction that just took place. And ask yourself, was I being fair? Really, was I being fair or not? And that's what's really critical, because fairness is the quintessential ingredient in harmony in any relationship. So in order to be responsible, you have to be fair. And in order to be fair, we need some level of consciousness. Now, I should point out right from the beginning here that all relationships do require effort from both partners. It may be asymmetrical at first because maybe one partner is more discouraged than the others and has been beaten down. But ultimately, this is a two-way street. Now, your partner may be less uh, excited than you are to get things rolling in the right direction. And maybe that's because of past frustrations, frictions, whatever, or even past baggage. But that doesn't mean you can't become a catalyst for encouraging your partner. So if you take the responsibility, and sometimes it may seem like more of a burden, and maybe it is, but you see, if you can be catalytic in getting your partner to meet you halfway, ultimately, then you've got a real shot. So even with a reluctant partner, if that partner is given a path a path of responsibility, and you modeling that path, well, things can really begin to happen. So that's responsibility. Now let's move on to personal awareness. Personal awareness is, is something you cultivate. One way that I always encourage is to keep a journal. Uh, a lot of people are reluctant to do this. I understand that. But do, do keep in mind that by, by keeping a journal, especially of the, the things that trip you up in a relationship, or the frustrations that you feel, whatever it may be, by keeping a journal, what you're doing is you're writing down and you're objectifying as best as you can the situation as it exists, but you're also implanting that on a different part of your brain. You see, when you think something... It's an abstraction that kind of flows through your brain and doesn't get necessarily permanently hooked to your brain. But when you write it down and look at it visually, you're kind of imprinting that and you're seeing it 
a little differently. You'd be amazed how much more insight you can get by keeping a journal. This is not an insignificant tool. Trust me when I say you can gain a lot. Now, let's, let's take a look at something. If, depending how brave you are, if you really, truly want to be courageous within a relationship, you and your partner, share your journals. Share those insights. You know, sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment, we, we don't want to express ourselves one way or the other, so we hold back, we suppress certain feelings and thoughts. But if you write these down in the kind of separate, calm, after a fact, away from your partner, and articulate these as best you can, and if you and your partner are, as I said, courageous enough to share these thoughts, you both are seeing something more objective than the typical exchanges that take place aside from the journal. So feedback, personal feedback, the feedback you get from your journal, it's critical. But there's one other source, and it's the most obvious source of feedback in a relationship. The most obvious source of personal awareness is your partner. Who do you think is in a better position to give you feedback as to your behavior, as to who you are and what you are. Your partner knows you well. Now, if we can get beyond the frictions and get to more of an objective place, a calmer place, the feedback you get from your partner is invaluable. And you can trust me on this, especially with a partner that is not hampered by insecurities. The feedback you get from a liberated partner is more valuable than anyone you could sit in counseling with. So open yourself up to hearing. When your partner has something to say to you, don't cloud your own mind with past reflexive responses or thoughts. Just listen. Listen carefully. You don't have to agree with everything, but hear your partner's perceptions. Because those perceptions are quite valuable. And when I do couples counseling and I hear one partner telling the other about something that disturbs them, the partner that's being accused, of course, their hackles go up and they tend to defend and get into their defense without really scrutinizing what the partner is disturbed about, without really trying to understand that. Personal awareness, sure it's hard, especially when you're defending yourself. You see, you're not going to put your guard down if you feel you're going to get pummeled. That's why it's so important for both partners to be working together, to reduce the defensiveness, the need to defend and protect against each other. Because once that happens, you're no longer a team, quite the contrary. Now you're combatants. And you can't really progress if you're deflecting potential threats. And you can't really express yourself clearly or understand the situation clearly or yourself. Not when you're running for your life. So personal awareness, it's critical. So let's move on now to partner awareness. Now partner awareness is important. In fact, let's say personal awareness is 50% of 
whereas partner awareness is the other 50%. How do you really see your partner? Do you see your partner through old reflexive thoughts, habits of dissatisfaction that you drag along with you, that relationship baggage, which because of past hurts, frustrations, you don't let go of, you cling to these. So when you see your partner through old knee-jerk reflexive negativity, you're not really in the present with your partner, are you? You're more or less putting an overlay. You're limiting the potential of any given moment because you're now clouding it with your negative perception, your negative distortions based on past experience and woundedness. So let's, let's realize how important it is that each partner try to come to some truce. You need to really listen to your partner. You need to really hear. There's an old technique. I used to love it. It's called parroting, like the parrots. Parrot. <laughs> but what you need to do is because a lot of times you're not listening to yourselves and you're not listening to each other. And these arguments, these conflicts just seem to come and go without ever being resolved. So one way is to parrot. And the way you do that is you have a formal agreement to sit down, especially when there's a, an argument or some discord. You sit yourselves down and one of you takes a turn and expresses your dissatisfaction and what's troubling you, whatever it might be. And then the other partner, before responding, must first say what they think they heard you say. What's important in parroting is that you, you first have to convince your partner that you heard more precisely what they had to say. And when your partner is satisfied with that, then they know, your partner knows, he or she has been heard. Now you are in the best possible position to respond from your perspective. You see, it's not that your perspective is right or wrong, but oftentimes what happens is that we're responding to incomplete kind of messages. We're not, we're not really aware of what our partner is trying to get across, of what our partner is trying to accomplish, or what our partner needs. By overriding that with your own agenda, then, of course, the cycle begins and it keeps spinning and spinning, and you don't go anywhere. Because each of you is responding with kind of distorted, half-baked understanding of where each other is, and what's really wrong with the relationship from each other's perspective. So parroting is just one way, and there are many ways, but basically what you have to do is you have to get rid of what really is outdated perceptions. You need to be engaged more in the present, not outdated perceptions of what was, old reflexive perceptions that just keep lingering. You know, there's nothing more discouraging to your partner than for you to fail to notice positive change because you're mired in this perception that he or she is, she's always so negative. Well, what if that's changed? See, so if you have that clouded perception, then you're not really seeing the change because it's clouded, it's muted. 
So you become very discouraging when you don't notice the positive efforts. So let's move on to maturity. Now, this may sound somewhat obvious, but you see what happens in most arguments. And I'm going to ask you to take a look at some arguments you've had in your past and try to recognize that when you really start to regress down a path of really, you know, kind of punching at each other, what happens? Well, one thing that happens is that the argument itself becomes very childlike, very adolescent-like, sniping, criticizing, jabbing. You see, this is the immaturity. I call it the child reflex. You know, we resort to less mature tendencies when we feel threatened. We want to protect ourselves. But we do it sometimes in such an exaggerated, kind of obnoxious way that it's reflecting not necessarily who we are in the present, but it's, it's really reminiscent of immature, childlike behavior. It's somewhat easy in retrospect to go back over an argument and, and recognize in yourself that you were being childlike. I mean, if you had a tape recorder and you heard yourself, you'd probably have less of a problem. But you need to become more self-aware of any immature, childlike responding in the present. It takes time. It takes practice. It's not easy to see yourself in process, in the moment. But you can do it. You know, maturity is taking responsibility, full responsibility for yourself. And that is antithetical to being childlike in a relationship. And by the way, being a child in a relationship is very unappealing. So find your full maturity and stay with it. Fidelity, loyalty, and commitment. Choosing to remain faithful, loyal, and committed to a relationship isn't an option. It's a requirement. It is the fundamental glue in any relationship. Cheating comes in many guises these days, especially with the Internet. The truth is, anyone can be tempted. But you see, a secure, mature person knows that such impulses are transient, and they're vestiges from older neurotic needs. An insecure partner, they really can't readily distinguish an adolescent or neurotic need. Fragmented egos just can't resist the temptation of an infatuation. What's an infatuation? Well, a lot of times we confuse it with falling in love. It's not love at all. An infatuation is really a projection of need onto someone else. So the more insecure person, of course, is hungry for that need to be fulfilled for them to feel whole. So the more compromised you are, psychologically speaking, the more neurotic you are, of course, the more susceptible you are to temptation. What's important to realize is that every infatuation ultimately crashes and burns. If it were different, well, take a look at Romeo and Juliet. I mean, Shakespeare, Shakespeare had it right. You know, they, these infatuated lovers had to die at the end. Why? 
because all infatuations crash and burn. So in a good relationship, a good potential relationship, if there's an insecure, fragmented partner, yeah, the temptation may be quite consuming, but all the more reason to begin to arm against recognizing impulse as reality, all the more reason for working toward maturity, and all the more reason for recognizing that in us, which would abandon the only truth in our life for a fiction. Fidelity is an absolute must. Anything less is flirting with disaster. Friendship and companionship. You can have a good and loving relationship and not necessarily be friends. You need to make your partner your friend. You need to begin to enjoy things together. Now, this might take active involvement on both of your parts. It may take thinking out of the box. You see, we get into routines, and routines tend to become compressive after a while. And the same old, same old becomes the same old, same old. Relationships become boring. Intimacy becomes boring. So what is important in any friendship is to have a good time, to enjoy each other's company. So you may be missing the boat on this if you're mired to just sitting down side by side watching TV every night without any communication, without any variation. And in order to really cultivate a friendship, you have to recognize the opportunities that exist. Now, companionship is a bit different from friendship. Companionship offers solace and security. But with a friendship, you want to look forward to seeing each other at the end of a day. You want to look forward to just going out and enjoying life together. So cultivate friendship. Find mutuality. Explore. Sit down and, and just, what can we do this weekend? Let's do something different. Brainstorm. Think about it. And most importantly, pull yourself out of the suction of a mundane life, the suction that pulls you down and makes you more susceptible to wishing you were somewhere else. Pull yourself out of the suction of that mud that you're kind of maybe trapped in and get outside, do things, find your friend. Sense of humor, playfulness. You know, this is often overlooked, but in a relationship, things tend to get serious. You know what I mean? Just they, they just seem to kind of get bogged down with the chores of life, children, responsibilities, work. And we look toward our distractions, you know, the internet, the iPhones, the, you know, all those things that pull us away. We drift away from each other and we look for better times in other things that we do. You need to have a sense of humor. You need to laugh together. You need to have a tickle spot where things just become happy again, funny again, 
interesting again. Psychological effort means becoming a better listener, connecting more to your partner's world, and embracing with interest your partner's point of view. Now, if you don't have the energy for your relationship, let me give you one piece of advice. Find it. And lastly, let me just say, risk love. Now, I say risk love because it may seem dangerous. You're not maybe sure of your, your partner's commitment to you. Maybe you're afraid to lay it all out there, express yourself, get too involved. Why? Why, why are we afraid? Well, we don't want to get hurt, of course. You know, what would happen if you lay yourself out there and your partner is less interested or not interested? So we pull back and we kind of mute the love that we feel. So many times in couples counseling, I hear, well, I really love him or her, but we just don't get along. We're not friends. And I often wonder, well, uh, you know, love itself, it it's got to embrace all that. Sometimes you're kind of kidding yourself. You're calling it love because you're calling it, uh, you know, some kind of stable uh, union of two people that just are uh, kind of walking through life uh, side by side, but not really embracing each other. So to risk love, you have to be putting yourself at risk. Well, is it really a risk? Well, I don't think so. I think that, you know, love is really opening up totally and completely. And ask yourself, what do you have to lose? You know, you've you've come this far together. You've you've tried, you've had ups, you've had downs. I mean, no one wants to get hurt, no one wants to get rejected. But if you play it safe, if you play it too safe, well, then no one's going to find that love or that potential. I always talk to people about the potential of any good relationship. And you often hear, well, as one grows older, isn't it more common to drift apart as the intimacy begins to become more muted and less defined and blah, 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 blah. Um, no, no. That's disuse. That's what happens when the relationship itself stagnates. A relationship is a vital process, an ongoing evolution. And love is an ongoing evolution. The only reason the love that you once had, and let, let's be fair, maybe it started out as infatuation. Well, if it did, don't compare love with infatuation. You know, that's the skyrockets and the bells ringing and all of that. That's not what love is. Love is much deeper than that. It's much more enduring. So, does love mature with a relationship? Well, absolutely it can. But you have to nurture it along the way. You have to realize that as you change, as your partner changes, you must evolve with those changes. You can't just step aside and expect that you're both going to change and evolve and grow, and you're just going to not adjust to those changes. One thing I could say with all certainty is that there isn't a lid on love. You can expand the love in many different ways. 
one thing I can say for certain is that there's no lid on top of love. It's limitless. Don't put any limits or limitations on the relationship and on the potential for love to evolve throughout a lifetime. What happens in elderly couples? You see, you see the appreciation growing. You see the importance of the relationship. I recall just recently seeing two lovers. I'm guessing they were both in their mid-90s. Walking in the park, hand in hand. It was, it was very, very warm and it was very encouraging because you sensed, you felt how important they were to each other. You sensed and you felt that here was something vital, that this was something that not everyone achieves, but those that do have achieved something very special in life. It's easier to stand back and see that and, and recognize, but if you want that, not, not that you have to get to be 90 to experience that, but recognize that potential, that relationship potential that only grows, that doesn't diminish, that doesn't get boring, that doesn't stagnate. It only grows if you'll let it grow. Do all these things that I mentioned in this episode and recognize that you're at the helm. Your partner's there, either willingly or reluctantly. But even the most reluctant of partners can be encouraged. People are encouraged by your adapting, encouraging, becoming a better person. So find find your way to becoming the catalytic partner, to becoming the source of inspiration. Your partner will join you. There's no reason not to. You see, once, once you show that the path forward is a worthwhile and loving path, your partner will recognize that they have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Be sure to visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and check out my number one best-selling books, now published in 10 languages. So until next time, realize that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard, until you make it simple. So join me each week and let's make Believe it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams.